coming soon to a theater near you. It's The Equalizers, a weekly podcast where two idiots drop a cinema sibling in the lap of a perfectly content solo film. My name is Mike Knoll, and I am joined, as always, by the horrific egg band hybrid, Madison Jones. Madison Jones, are you in good form? Vroom vroom, baby. Oh, good. Vroom vroom. May I say, your most solid movie reference greeting to date. <laughs> you know, Cars. Yeah, no, I got it. Some I cars. Mean, There's cars in this one. This one's cars, guys. I'm not going to lie. That was the original idea I had for my pitch. Speed Racer 2. This one's cars, guys. This one's cars, guys. It was actually going to be a crossover with the movie Cars, where everybody in the movie was a car. Man, we're doing a lot of crossovers lately. <laughs> yeah, we got the crossover bug. <laughs> yeah, but no, we're doing Speed Racer. Our first appearance by the very popular actor, Emil Hirsch. <laughs> <laughs> the people's champion, Emil Hirsch. America's sweetheart, <laughs> Emil Hirsch. <laughs> Officially on the record, this podcast's favorite actor. He's actually our sponsor, forever and always. Yeah, the patron saint. Yeah. He's usurped the ghost of Captain James Hook as our yeah. benefactor. But we're a homegrown family podcast, and he's part of a big podcast. <laughs> so I think in our, like... In the Equalizers um, canon, in like the religious sense, Emil Hirsch is like God and the ghost of James Hook is our devil. Well, there's some sort of quasi-devil that is John O'Hurley somewhere. In oh, that's right. I forgot. No, John O'Hurley is the devil. Yeah. And like Captain James Hook is his, uh, in Hercules, pain and panic. Yeah. Like Captain James Hook does the bidding of John O'Hurley the devil. Man, we're just really building <laughs> so, this lore. So back to the recap, Emil Hirsch is God for us and John O'Hurley is the devil. <laughs> yep oh man we're off to a good start we're off to a good start so speed racer guys yeah so this week i'm pitching a sequel to speed racer i first saw this movie actually only a few months ago and immediately fell in love with it because it's so i mean one it's very good like the acting and the 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 character stuff is very good but it's also so stupid yeah and just like in a fun good way i think that they because this was a uh Wachowski siblings production and they are very good at creating worlds mm -hmm. um with high concepts within them um I, I say that they're good at that right that's just what not, maybe that's not good at that but that's what they do they're known you know? for yeah because uh matrix jupiter's ascending other movies two more uh you know you know brother bear um the uh brave little toaster uh -huh. um, that was totally them total to they were the, the wachowskis <laughs> this is a total Wachowski. Wachowski. Like I, that. I is know. it Wachowski? I don't know. I, I didn't I didn't say anything just because I'm not entirely sure. I've always heard Wachowski, but it doesn't matter really. Yeah. Yep. It's Totes Wachowski. To it's Totes Wachowski. But yeah. So before we get into the pitch and the summary, Madison, I don't know if you have any reviews for this segment, which we're calling Maddie's Tomatoes. And when uh I really thought you'd be more angry about that. <laughs> No, I'm I'm cool with it, but I I am requesting from you, dear editor, that my, the theme to Maddie's Tomatoes is squish squash squash ooh all right it's a deeper squish. The Deep Squish. The Deep Squish. That's actually... Should we change the name of the segment to The Deep Squish? It's actually Maddie's Tomatoes colon, colon the, the Deep, the deep squish. squish. Okay.
Oh, God. All right. <clears throat> Hit me. Oh, I don't have any. Oh, you don't have any? <laughs> oh, okay. You said that you couldn't find... I thought you said you couldn't find many. Not that you didn't have oh. any. So, I misunderstood. This is a lackluster uh, first uh, taking out of the <laughs> Maddie's tomatoes. The dupe uh, squish. Like, I couldn't really find anything that That's was fair. funny. Uh, sure. It was either... People who just really liked the movie, mm-hmm. um, and then people who found it a bastardization of the original franchise, sprinkled in with just uh, some transphobic shit because it's the uh, involves the Wachowski siblings, mm-hmm. and people are horrible. Yeah, that's the reason I avoided Rotten Tomatoes with uh, Rocky Horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know who we can always turn to when it comes to the good reviews: the Scorch Master. The Scorch Master. The Lord Scorch. High Scorch Master. God, okay. <laughs> uh, what the fuck is his name? I don't even remember. King Dwarf 69. King Dwarf 69. For new listeners, King Dwarf 69 is the Rotten Tomatoes persona Madison and I have created. And we when we can't find reviews that really, you know, dig deep and satisfy, we come up with our own under this guise. And we do that by the titles created one word at a time. As we alternate, and the body of the review is one sentence at a time. If it's alright with you, Madison, since uh, this is my rodeo, I'll go first. No, it's not. But I mean, you on. got to go first last week for your rodeo. I'm just saying, I'll remember this. I, but I let you go first last week. Let's just, let's just, let's just. Madison. Continue. Nope, it's in the books. I'm jotting it down. You're jotting down that you're not going to forget this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm writing. I'm writing it down so I don't forget it. All right. Sometimes our parents don't understand. Monkeys. Or. Engines. Period. So the title of this one is. Sometimes our parents don't understand monkeys or engines. Got it. So John Goodman is both a good dad and a bad dad in this film. But the one thing John Goodman always is, is a dad bod. Period. (laughs) Okay. How many stars? (laughs) That's three. Three? Okay. That sounds probably fair. I mean, I want to give this movie a hundred stars because I love it, but King Dwarf, you know. They're not impressed. Speaking of John Goodman, I don't know if we'll get into it or, or where I'd wedge this in into the synopsis, mm-hmm. but there there's a legit scene um, towards the end of the movie when they're fixing the car mm-hmm. or making the car for the last big race where he's wearing a red shirt and these very blue denim like overalls. Mm-hmm. And he looks like he's straight up like cosplaying Mario. <laughs> the jump I don't, man. Yeah, I don't really have that in my summary. Um, yeah, but... <laughs> You didn't. You didn't catch that. Did you catch that Racer X um, whole outfit? Is it looks like he's cosplaying Bullseye from the Marvel universe? I mean, I did notice, but I also didn't put that in my my summary. Okay, I'm always looking out. The sweet accidental cosplay. The accidental cosplays. All right, uh, I'll get to the summary real quick then, and then we can get to it. Cool. And then we'll be off to the races. <laughs> just uh, just start this synopsis. <laughs> Uh, so I want to preface early in this that I really can't do justice to the character aspects of the movie without adding like 15 minutes to the summary. There's just yeah. a lot of very interconnected and specific to get into. Yeah. So really and truly go watch Speed Racer and enjoy your life for possibly the first time. Yeah. Uh, we start the movie. Speed Racer follows the eponymous Speed Racer, son of Pops Racer, a car engineer and brother of Rex Racer, a superstar racer turned pariah. Speed races against a colorful band of enemies in his trusty Mach 6. His natural talents draw the attention of the head of Royalton Industries, 
Mr. Royalton, who wants to add speed to his roster of sponsored racers. Mr. Purple. Correct. Mr. Purple Royalton. Ultimately, Speed declines the offer to remain true to his family's devotion to the spirit of racing. Royalton informs Speed that this is a naive notion and that racing is a fixed game, the outcome is being decided by the sponsors. This has been the case since the inception of the World Racing League, which is basically like the governing body of racing that everybody races in. And that guides this world, seemingly. Yeah. Uh, Royalton informs Speed that if he doesn't take the deal, he not only won't place in his next race, but his family will be dishonored and destroyed. Speed still doesn't sign, and Royalton's predictions come true, or begin to come true at least. Meanwhile, the mysterious Racer X chases down a racing mob boss slash fixer who is about to piranha the hands off of Racer Taijo Tokogan. As in feed to piranhas. Correct, yeah. Racer X gives chase and car-bound combat, ultimately saving Tokogan. He presses Taijo for inside information slash testimony against the fixer, but gets nothing. We get a quick scene of Royalton basically outlining his plan to win the WRL Grand Prix with his new engine that takes a special kind of core that only he and a Tokogon mine can make. We get the impression he's trying to buy out the Tokogon shares. What do you think WRL stands for? I thought it stood for We Race Lustily. Why race? last why race last grand prix it's actually (laughs) watermelons relate lustily (laughs) wow race is long (laughs) but races with like an apostrophe like race is race is got it race is long race is long we roll lustily (laughs) (laughs) carry on Alright. Now that Speed is screwed and desperate, the Corporate Investigation Bureau, think Racing CIA slash FBI, approaches uh, with a proposition. Taijo has agreed to work with them if Racer X and Speed help him win the Casa Cristo, the cutthroat cross-country race. Pops forbids it, considering this was the race where Speed's older brother Rex died uh, at the beginning of the movie. He was involved in crime things. Yeah, that's the official name for it. Yeah crime thing he was arrested for crime things yeah but yeah so the casa cristo is a cross-country basically free-for-all blood sport race which unlike you know the world racing league where they're using tail flips and all this wacky shit like i think the difference is that in the world racing league mm-hmm. there's this mechanism in your car that if you're about to like die this like foam starts to expand and protect mm-hmm. you and you're in this like ball of foam and are launched out of the car where in the the blood sport race mm-hmm. you die theoretically yeah if you don't escape somehow speed and his girlfriend trixie trick the family to go to compete in the casa cristo pops finds out and the family finds them that night they are attacked by ninjas which i only mentioned because it's amazing and pure and perfect they get mm-hmm. attacked by ninjas, and they get in a ninja fight, and then Pops comes out of his room, like, what's going on out here? And then basically, Greco-Roman wrestles a ninja. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking great. And then he calls them... More like a ninja. Terrible what passes for a ninja these days. I almost made a prequel that was Pops' like amazing adventure backstory of how he knew that, but... Well, there's, like, the fight scenes in this movie are pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah, they lean into the... Um, anime origin of yeah. the franchise and we'll, we'll touch on that here in a minute let me get through the synopsis and then we can talk about that yeah aspect 
Speed and Racer X helped Taijo win the Casa Cristo, thus earning Taijo a spot in the Grand Prix. We then learned that this was all employed by the Tokugan family to raise their stock prices to gouge Royalton out of more money for the shares. Taijo's sister appears at the Racer house and offers Speed the invitation to the Grand Prix her brother had no plans on using. Speed shows up, much to the irritation of Royalton. He offers half a million dollars to the racer who can take out Speed. Yeah, and they like, we'll have a scene of Speed walking somewhere, and then like, Royalton will just pass across the screen saying a thing, and then he's yeah. off the screen again, and that's it. Like, it's. Yeah, the fine details of things that they are saying aren't really important. It's more as long as you get the larger concept of what's going on, uh, you can follow the movie pretty well. But. It it also has a problem, and I don't mean I'll let you finish here in a second. Yeah. But uh, I think it does have story plotting problems because sometimes mm. you're in a flashback, and then sometimes it jumps to, uh, it jumps to the beginning of the movie. It goes to the it jumps to a flashback. You never know like where yeah. where you are time wise. Sometimes when you enter a scene, the, the the beginning of the movie is a little is kind of difficult to navigate. The mm-hmm. first time you watch it, just because of that, like, yeah. we go from Speed being a kid to actually in a race, back to the same race, but his brother was driving this, like, years ago, back to Speed race. Like, so I, I see what you're saying, and I agree. The beginning of it is a little tricky. Once we get into the actual movie, it's a little easier. There's a few flashbacks, but they're not nearly as difficult there's, to figure out. There's one, and I'm sorry if this is just too much of a sidebar, but the one that like floored me is uh or like really like fucked my mind was uh when royalton is explaining to speed that if he doesn't sign with him mm, yeah, yeah, what yeah. will happen to his family and it will it shows the things that will yeah. happen to his family but in my mind that was theoretical and it was showing us like oh this will what this is what's going to happen and they're playing it out for you right but then we jump from that scene and we find out that that was actually what actually happened not like yeah, it's it's weird because typically like i thought they were going to do the normal thing like in heist movies where they're describing mm-hmm. like the plan and they yeah. show it happening i was like mm-hmm. okay we're gonna move on from here but after all of that they cut back to royalton talking yeah. to speed so it was like oh no that was all hypothetical and we're gonna have to watch it again and then we don't because that was what happened so yeah, yeah. i see what you're saying like it was a little that one i don't know i guess maybe it's not maybe not once you get through the, the opening yeah. of the movie it gets better um but carry on from there sure. sorry so royalton offers half a million dollars to the racer who can take out speed speed in an unexplicably heroic and daring race ends up showing down with royalton's star racer a future hall of famer we're reminded no less than three times speed is too good and royalton's man resorts to cheating which speed manages to expose to the world against all odds speed wins the grand prix and topples royalton's empire thus changing and possibly freeing the sport of racing forever or so it seems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot. I mean, I, I I breezed through a lot of stuff that's very, like I said, the character stuff I didn't get into because I mean we already and we already added ten minutes to my plot just talking, but uh, that would have added ten more. It would have been forever. Um, a lot of the effects I didn't dig into. A lot of the like car stunts and stuff, which are really cool, I didn't get into because that's more aesthetic. Yeah, this movie is very heavily CGI'd. Like, mm-hmm. there's, which like, I liked. I, I, it gave it the right feel for me. The the aesthetic of the movie was CGI, mm-hmm. and uh, where it wasn't being added to scenes that it didn't uh, coincide with well. 
sure like yeah like it wasn't it, it didn't look like it didn't fit in the universe because it was just that's what this looks like in the universe like most of the world is digitally inputted in the movie a lot of green screens for this one real quick before i start this pitch we wanted to touch on the fact that this movie is based off of a japanese anime and none of the characters well i think tokogan might be japanese and his I, sister and dad but otherwise it's basically all white people mm -hmm. i we're not gonna really dig into that just because i'm not i'll probably or i, I don't feel equipped to talk about it intelligently and thoughtfully yeah uh, we're gonna link want, to an article yeah if you uh want to talk about like there's a really good article written by allegra frank who works for polygon who outlines the issues of whitewashing uh within anime adaptations and we'll link that um, mm -hmm. into the show notes for you guys to read if you're interested sure. in looking in that aspect of prob the problems within mm -hmm. the film industry and this movie as a whole. We wanted to touch on it, but also, like, like I said, I personally, I don't, and I don't want to speak for Matt, and I just don't think I could do a good job of digging into it. So we'll yeah. let people who are much smarter than us at this talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but with that aside, we move into my pitch for Speed Racer 2, The Racing War. Ooh. Is this going to be like Zoids? Is it going to be Zoids? Uh, no. I've never oh. seen Zoids, but I'm pretty sure that it's not this. <laughs> uh, question for the audience. Which Zoids was your favorite? Tweet at us, at the Equalizers. My, my favorite Zoids was the one with the war. <laughs> <laughs> Warzoid? Warzoid. I'm just going to look up. A, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just list, look at some Zoids. <laughs> All right. You know what? <laughs> while you pitch your... The section... I'm just going to look at... No, I'm no, gonna no, look, no, no. I'm just going to be looking at Zoids. Pause the official while... thing. Welcome to our new segment, talking about Zoids. Uh, welcome to our new segment, Zoid O'Clock. <laughs> it's uh, Zoid O'Clock somewhere, and we're oh, talking God. about. Oh shit! This one, this one is called Attack Zoids. Attack Zoids. Yeah, Bamburian. <laughs> what the fuck is this battle cougar? Welcome to Zoid O'Clock. This this week we're talking about the Furzerzoids and their uh their conflicted history with uh it, within the Zoid fandom. Uh, all right, let me get off the Zoids wiki that I inexplicably am on now. No, we have to talk about the Leo Blaze more. All right, well that's for next week. We can't give okay. away the whole. I mean, the segment's only going to be one episode long if we talk about all the Zoids. That's true. Do you think our listeners would just, like, stop listening entirely? They're like, tune in for Speed Racer 2. They listen to our very long, dumb summary of this movie, and then we spend the next 45 minutes just talking about Zoids, and I never pitched this movie. Yeah, about what our favorite Liger Zero um, uh, modifications are. So I'm going to do my pitch a little different than we have kind of before, because, like I talked about, putting the character stuff in there, was it was a thing that I, I started trying to do and then it was just getting kind of confusing and my pitch mm -hmm. was getting extraordinarily long. So I'm going to open by talking about kind of the character arcs in this movie. And so then I'll, I'll address them in the pitch, but that way then I'm not like, they say this yeah. and we go about this and that and that. Like I can kind of just touch on it. Like this is where I'm going to put in some of the work for that arc, etc. And maybe a couple lines of dialogue here and there, but I'm going to kind of front load in character arcs before I actually get to the plot. Okay. So we're going to start with Speed. He finds himself kind of the reluctant general in a war he doesn't want to fight but has to. In the first movie, he I, I use an analogy later. Like, he he beat the sponsors, and it's like, oh, he changed racing forever. And the analogy I used was he kicked the door down, but the house is still standing. Yeah. Like, he beat one sponsor. He exposed one sponsor. Like Maybe the largest sponsor. Yeah, I don't know. But, like, there's a shitload of other ones out there. 
still. It, it's supposed to be seen as like the spark that yeah, exactly. causes and the I, fire to. And that's spirit. kind of my movie's going to be the fire or yeah. more of it. Like, but Speed's arc is like, no, I changed racing. I don't like, I'm not part of this anymore. I did my job. And it's like, well, no, you, I mean, like, and Pops is part of that. Um, so I'm going to move on to Pops, who is his thing is kind of passing the torch and watching Speed grow into a leader and making the calls, like basically becoming the patriarch of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, Trixie is in this. She sort of is also becoming Ma Racer in a way of like the conscience and the guide with like the level headed one who gives advice and yeah. like good advice and stuff. Uh, I'm introducing a new character who I'll touch on her when we get to it. And then Speed and Pops is kind of thing is Pops basically helping Speed into this new role of I understand that you think you did your part and that's and you don't like you're not required to do this but everyone's looking to you to do this like to lead this fight and i bit it's yeah. very vague so i'm going to get into the actual plot now um we open on the grand prix exactly one year after speed's amazing win the cars are lined up at the start engines roaring we get a short monologue slash exposition of the facts leading up to this moment as we pan across the tense faces of the drivers speed might have brought down royalton but the sponsors capital t capital s went to ground and rode out the storm. Their rain is alive and well. They weaseled, they PR'd, they wrung their hands and wept crocodile tears, and they survived. Now there is a fissure in racing. Ideological sides have been drawn between those who remain loyal to the sponsors and those who want to break away, those who follow Speed's dream. It's a powder keg waiting for a match. That match comes when one of the sponsor loyalists tries to take out Speed. Speed spins out into the funnel section where his car died in the first movie during the Grand Prix, it, it's the classic third act. Oh no, the car's dead, and I'm not gonna win the race. And he pulls through and wins. Spoiler. That was the first movie. We just, I gave an entire. <laughs> so- <laughs> yeah, my bad. Sorry. Spoiler alert for Speed Racer One. Some sponsor loyalists move in to fucking crush Speed, like just batter him down to hell. Uh, teammates of the sponsored guys who are doing the swoop in to intercept them, and it devolves into a demolition derby in the funnel. Oh, shit. The commentators are lamenting this dark day in racing and somehow making it seem like it's Speed's fault. And we get sort of a the ghost of the racer family shame that we got from the first movie mm-hmm. about how Rex like ruined racing and all this stuff. And we get press headlines decrying the barbarism of the Slam Prix overlaid with the voice of Maximilian Brakelin. His name is Brakelin. spelled... M-A-X-I, and then million like the number. Okay. Maximilian Brakelin, played by Jason Isaacs, who was Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter movies, and or the evil British guy from The Patriot. Got it. What's his color aesthetic? Because everyone has their color sure. aesthetic in this, their main color that they hold to. I hadn't actually really movie. thought about that. I'm going to say red, like okay. a very deep red uh, for reasons that I'll get into later. Cool. Like a ruby red. No, like a burnt red, probably. Burnt red. So we get press headlines decrying the barbarism of the Slam Prix overlaid with the voice of Maximilian Brakelin, waxing eloquently about how this is their chance. We end that montage of headlines on a secret meeting of the sponsors. We see Maximilian standing at the head of a long conference table addressing shadow figures, smoking pipes and cigars. Uh, He's talking about how now they hold all the cards. These rebel racers are nothing without them. Any attempts to stray out of line will be thrown out of their contracts, buried in lawsuits. A voice from the unseen crowd asks, what about the fans? We pan slightly to see Alexander Brakelin, played by Daniel Craig. Oh, yeah. uh, Sitting just to the side of the head of the table. So in this, 
my aesthetic for them, like it's still the burnt red suits, but Maximilian is the silver tongue and Alexander is like the canny mind. Like the, he comes up with the, the cunning plans and Alexander's like the PR guy who can spin any tale. Okay. You're saying Alexander is the mouth? Sort of. No, Maximilian is the mouth. Like he's the one who has the way with words, and Alexander's like the chess master strategist. Got it, kind of got thing. it, got it, got it, got it. And there's only one more thing they have to do before they strike this plan. We cut to speed, bandaged and bruised, sitting in a meeting with the Brakeland brothers. They outline their side, and the sponsors have been running racing for so long that it would be anarchy without them. The WRL would become the Casa Cristo free for all brawl. Speed has proved his point. They get that the Grand Prix are high adrenaline events, and arguably, miracles are great for business. They just want every racer sponsored. No more indie companies. That's like everybody works for a sponsored team, whatever. They, they'll, they'll probably still do a little bit of fixing, but the Grand Prix can be, yeah. you know, uh, uh, no, no fixing at the Grand Prix. Uh, Speed rejects this plan. We cut to a press conference the Brakeland brothers are giving. Maximilian is decrying the slam prix and announcing the sponsors are willing to cede control of the WRL. They propose, quote, a grand new experiment. Those who want an independent racing against those loyal to the sponsors. Anyone who wishes to drive independently may leave their contract to do so. The coming season of racing will be a test. The winner decides which ideology will run racing into the future. The independents will race under one banner, the sponsored under another. Whichever side wins the next Grand Prix gets their way. I think Speed is also against this idea. Like, obviously, yeah. is like this seems like a trap. Yeah. But it's kind of cornered into it because most everybody, there's the public opinion is like, yeah, this seems really fair. And so they kind of end up backed into this. Well, yeah, the public just loves it in general. Yeah. They talk about in the first movie how um, uh, Racer X is like what he does in races, which is basically knocks people out of them by destroying their vehicles. He says that the the audience just love that in aspect of it. Uh, Racer X isn't really in this. I, yeah. I thought about it and I couldn't find a place for him. And the one place I could made this even more complicated. Yeah, I mean, Racer uh, listeners, Racer X has a storyline in the first one that he is, spoiler, uh, actually the uh, brother who died, Speed Racer's brother who died. Um, Faked his death and had plastic surgery. (laughs) And had plastic surgery. Um, (sighs) And at the very end of the movie, he just sort of leaves and uh, is which would make sense why he wouldn't be in the second movie, I think, because he had a he had a he had a natural exit, I think. I mean, I don't know if he left like their lives. I think it was just he left the race. Yeah. But still, yeah, I didn't have a place for him in this. So I didn't. I, my idea was that he was going to refuse to join a side and just race by himself. Mm-hmm. And then right at the last in the big third act climax, he'd side with speed or whatever to give him an edge. But I was like, that's just that's. One, that's hack, I think. And two, it was like, I'm not going to work in Racer X. Yeah. Uh, So from this, we get Speed and Pops watching the press conference in the Racer household. Speed is talking about how he thought he changed racing, how he beat Royalton and changed the paradigm. Pops tells him he sparked a fuse. Speed kicked down the door, but the house is still standing. Pops says that he's too old for this fight. He'll always be there to support Speed, but it's time Speed's generation take the wheel. Speed talks about separating himself from... Speed says he may have fired the shot, but it's not his responsibility to lead the army. He wants to race, not fight a revolution. Pop says, basically, that's too bad because the anti-sponsored side is going to follow Speed's lead. 
there's a knock at the door and they answer it and we see the non-loyalists grouped outside his door <laughs> like i imagine like there's a knock at the door and they open it and it's all the independents like hi and they hold up uh three three fingers for district three <laughs> and then you hear doo, doo, doo. yep i i got that that was a hunger games reference yes. but i've never read them or seen the movies so i can't yes and do you really yeah okay uh, Emil Hirsch is the mocking Jay. He's the mocking. Uh, he's the mocking car. <laughs> speed Jay. He's the Speed Jay. Speed Jay sounds like a very dirty act. <laughs> I really don't want to. Like, it would be funny to dig into what that means, but I also really don't want to. We'll save it for an episode of OK Crusader. Yeah, it involves a speed stick deodorant. Oh, you know what? You said speed stick, and for some reason, my brain thought selfie stick. God. So. Here we meet two new characters. We meet Nanette LaVroom, who uh, is played by uh, Letitia Wright from Black Panther. She's Shuri, if you've seen Black Panther yet. I haven't. I'm, okay. I'm really not in the, in the superhero game. And then we also meet Victor Lane, who is played by Sebastian Stan. God. I mean, I shake my head at you, but in this fictional world, there is a character named Speed Racer. That is his legal name. His little brother's name is Spritle Racer. Yeah. I would say that your names are ridiculous, but they fit in because the fact that, that there's a character in this movie named Speed Racer and he's a racer. Yeah. <laughs> but people don't want him to race. <laughs> I'm afraid it gets a little worse, Madison, because Victor's full name is Victor E. Lane. God damn it. <laughs> this is just another mega mind bullshit <laughs> pun name you're dump. so you're just mad because my pun names in mega mind were fucking amazing that's true what are their color aesthetics so I'll, i'm gonna get to that okay if you'll but i want to touch back with nanette because she is going to play sort of a bigger character part in this than victor will i have set up in the backstory that in her backstory that she her dad and pops were like grease monkeys together at some garage like they came up together and then they both started their own independent racing um things but her dad's basically got shut down by the sponsors he had to go out of business and so she gets more included in the family or the character stuff because they have this history her thing is she's brash and untrained and but like she's more like speed in that she like races by sense and kind of intuition Mm -hmm. but is too aggressive like goes looking for a fight in the races maybe and she and Trixie are gonna have a story together I really was aggressively uninterested in the oh she and Speed kind of have a spark and so Trixie's just jealous the whole movie like that's the thing I fucking hate love triangles I don't hate them I hate that specific trope so she and Trixie are gonna actually become like best friends I think Nanette looks up to Trixie and Trixie takes Nanette under her wing and I think that, like, they team up on Speed Racer, like, teasing and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, they're almost like sisters. Got in it. This. Right, so Speed, Ned, and Victor, I think, are going to be kind of like the leaders of the this side. We get a shot, a press conference with the Independents, who are, like, Speed and his team, in blue behind Speed Racer. So it's going to be monocolor because they're, like, two sides. Got it. So it's black and white? No, I mean, it's blue. Oh. And the sponsored are in burnt red behind the Brakeland brothers. Got it. Uh, Speed and Maximilian are shaking hands. There's a flash of light, and this shot becomes the front page of a newspaper showing Sponsored versus Independence, a season for the soul of racing. Nice. So we're at our first race. We're into the races, Madison. We're into the races. Uh, for this, I'm kind of just like, 
this is the race and this is what happens. And I'll mention like a few tricks that happen because these races are heavily like tricks and jumps and stunts and stuff. And so like, I'm not going to like outline every trick and stunt. I have a few that I've come up with, like some new tricks, but yeah. Uh, listeners, if you haven't watched the, the first movie, the stunt, like the stunt choreography of the cars that they, um, during the races like they're flipping over like other cars they have weapons that sometimes jet out of them that causes them to latch on to other cars and they do spin tricks and stuff in the first movie it created really dynamic and actually gripping action scenes i felt like the grand prix i was actually like my breath was taken away a little bit at like the i mean the color and all the the tricks and stuff it Mm -hmm. was like legitimately as you said like gripping and like the casa cristo race is where it gets even more bonkers because like since this is like not regulated racing like one guy literally has a trebuchet with a beehive in it yeah that's a weapon he uses it gets off a little off the rails a little too much for me during that particular scene yeah but um it yeah there's a trebuchet there's a moment where uh, Racer X, la- I don't know what he does. He he ends up punch like getting close enough to punch the other guy in the cockpit seat of one mm. of the cars, if I remember correctly. I, I could be. I don't he, remember. He like, flips on top of him and then he punches him in the face. Then he flips off of his car. <laughs> oh again. yeah, I love that. The the flipping thing is what kills me too, because they're driving at you know yeah. probably hundreds of miles an hour and then it just slam a metal post into the ground. Yeah, and it just like and obviously there's nothing in this movie that's like physically accurate no like, no physics aren't a thing i'm not judging it. like it's great i love it like i love that they just went for it yeah i, I just i love the idea in my head of though just like driving as fast as you can and then slamming a metal post into the ground yeah so we get our first race the sponsors drive red cars with the logos of, of their sponsor loud and proud on the door the independents drive blue cars with no logos in the beginning uh the sponsored drive very vanilla races like they're based they're not really doing any tricks and the independents are doing the usual beat up racing stuff. Mm-hmm. And the sponsors are just, they're all over the press decrying the savagery of the independent racers and how this is, see, this is what we were talking about. We're, you know, this is what we're going to get without sponsors. Like, our guys aren't out there doing this bullshit, even though, like, that's what the racing has always been. Yeah. It's like they're, they're controlling the presses. Exactly. Yeah, they're they're spinning it. They have to garner the audience on their side. How the independents are turning the WRL into the Casa Cristo, Casa del Cristo. So here we get a few character moments. Like Nanette's pissed about this. Like this is what racing is. Victor, who I haven't talked about, Victor is much more technically minded. He is the uh, at this track, the third route, like the third corner. If I take it at precisely this angle at this speed, I can. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. Like he's very technically minded about racing. Like deadly effective though, because of that. Like I don't know. I, I wanted somebody who was more mathematical. Yeah, it, but also like very effective that way of like he knows the the tracks and the angles and the math you mean outside of um speed racers heart of the cards mentality <laughs> i'm not passing judgment on that idea yeah like i i think it's great i, I kind of like it nanette's kind of like that too i needed something else yeah so it wasn't just a third person who was like who's very spiritual about ra- their racing you didn't want you didn't want three people thinking the exact same way about the exact same thing because that's not realistic right (laughs) or interesting so victor is worried that if they don't tame it down they're gonna lose the fans and if they lose the fans then they might as well quit yeah and speed decides that they need to play bland ball here or else they'll lose public opinion like he sides with victor Mm -hmm. in the beginning so we get 
a quick cut of another few races where the independents drive more vanilla races. And we see the fans start grumbling that racing isn't as exciting as it used to be. No thrills or chills. (laughs) And just can't please anybody. Yeah. Speed is now just like getting kind of pissed off about this. Like, well, what the fuck are we supposed to do? And Trixie pulls him aside and is like, look, you didn't beat Royalton by playing Royalton's game. You played your game. Make them play you. So we get some more races where the ind- independents just start stunting. They're not attacking. Yeah, they're not. They're just stunting. They're showing off. They're they're being the uh, the globe trotters of racing. I have a couple stunt thought stunts thought up. Okay. Two cars flip and spin their wheels against each other to make like smoke, and then cars like come out of the smoke and do like flips and shit like normal flips. That's cool. Two cars go up next to each other, and one flips over the other, and the drivers swap cars. Mm-hmm. So the upside down one like jumps into the lower one, and the lower one climbs into the cockpit of the other car. Okay. Some every so often they take a hill very fast in formation, and as they like were past the lights or whatever, make cool patterns and designs and shit. Maybe like the mock logo or whatever. I don't know. I'm just just brainstorming. But um, there are five cars. Four of them go off in different directions, throw different um, components of a, um, a fifth car. <laughs> of a uh, BLT <laughs> and uh, the one throws the bread, one throws the lettuce, one throws the tomato, and then one uh, handles the condiments. And then, the then a fifth car drives in the middle of those swirls and catches all of them and forms the sandwich and then takes a bite of it. I'm going to say a sentence I never thought I had to say about speed racer pitch. That might be too far. <laughs> I think it's delicious. I mean, it sounds great. I just, if if this this movie ironically were sponsored by yeah like Wendy's or whatever, much like your Meet Dave two pitch was, then that would be a point where they'd make that and then like look at the camera and like wink yeah or something to take a bite. But yeah, so I have other mostly those are the stunts that they're doing. Just yeah, weird. And I mean the normal flips and tricks like they're flipping over each other almost like um maybe they're doing like a three card Monty thing mm-hmm. like but with their cars where they're like circling each other around and then like like one of them holds up a ball like a basketball so the audience sees it and then puts it back in the like cockpit it's and then they like it's like <laughs> this is literally the globe trotters yeah of, I just thought about that yeah <laughs> of, of yeah basically racing. it's like the Harlem globe trotters of racing it's great so this actually is like people are enjoying this Maximilian's chomping at the bit to do something because the the independents are Winning public opinion, they're doing very well in the races, and Alexander tells them to wait. The plan is in place. We're at a strategy meeting for the independents. Uh, they're spread across the racer living room, sitting in windowsills, the floor, anywhere and everywhere. Like, just they're standing in corners. Like, they're basically just packed into this living room for a strategy meeting. Uh, Mama Racer is serving plates of pancakes to them. God, I forgot about that fucking scene. <laughs> the first time they meet Royalton in the first one, and I, I I wrote it down. Let me let me see. Yeah, Royalton basically has a pancakes are love orgasm <laughs> scene in the first movie. When I was a child, we used to say, "Pankuchen sind Liebchen." Pancakes are love. Mm. Mm. Gorgeous, Mrs. Racer. Superb density. Hints of vanilla, cinnamon. That's right. Absolutely gorgeous. And then he asks her for the recipe mm-hmm. to pancakes? 
Yeah, like, he wants to know her recipes. Like, I'll buy it from you. It's like, I'll just give you the fucking recipe. For pancakes? <laughs> yeah. Like, What's your favorite pancake recipe, Madison? My my favorite pancake recipe is waffles. Ah. I like when you uh, actually cut up a full pound of hamburger and you, like, mix that in with the pancake batter. But just one pancake. Uh, pan meats? Pancakes? Yeah, meat. Meat cakes? <laughs> meat cakes. God. Right, so she's serving them plates of pancakes, and the Grand Prix is coming up, and there's really just, like, one more race before. The Independents already have a pretty big lead in the number of racers going into the Grand Prix. Like, I, I don't, they don't really go into how racing works to qualify. I imagine it's like you have to have a certain number of points. Like, you get points per placing in races, or it's time stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. My point is that, assuming there's a fixed number of racers that can be in the Grand Prix, most of the slots, or a bigger number of slots, are filled up by independents. Like, there's a few open seats still, yeah. but the racers have a pretty big lead going in, uh, in numbers. Winning this race would give them a staggering advantage. They outline their strategy. I think it's just, like, not technical. It's not, like, an interesting strategy. They're just like, all right, and I think if we stick to this strategy, and, it, like, the board looks like, you know, the football diagrams or whatever, like, it's... So after this, they outline their strategy and they depart. Um, I have some stuff here. This is we'll do some work for Trixie and Nanette's friendship of them doing this. Probably teasing speed. Maybe Nanette flirts with Victor a little bit. I don't know. Just that that kind of character angle stuff. Nanette and Victor go park. I mean that that's very good joke. Well done. <laughs> it was is is park is parking and drive and racing just. Yeah, that's what I wanted. Is, is it is it driving very fast and still? Well, I mean, yes. And and doing it, they're still going like I mean, it's in the world with racing, it's like sixty miles an hour. Yeah, because that's considered parking in this world. God, I mean, we know they have it because Trixie and Speed yeah. go up to basically make out point. Yeah. and park at the beginning of the movie before the annoying little brother is. I want. We're gonna get to Spritel at the end of the pitch. I I want to talk about Spritel, but okay. not yet here. Yeah, not okay. specifically in the middle of my pitch. Uh, so it's the last race. The independents are dominating with style. In the final lap, they're set to take the cake. We see Victor. Then we hear Alexander Brakeland's voice in his helmet say, Now. He smiles and presses a button on his steering wheel. His colors switch from blue to red, and a Brakeland Brothers logo is visible on his door. He sets about wrecking the independents as several sponsored pass by and finish filling out the sponsored roster in the Grand Prix. So he betrayed them. Got it. He was a spy the whole time. He was a plant. At the finish line, uh, Speed's like, what the fuck, Victor? All this stuff. And Vic throws the independent philosophy back in Speed's face. What's the matter, Speed? I didn't race to your script. This is what you wanted, right? Racers answering to no one. Ooh. So obviously now it's, I don't think it's, I think the advantage now is given to the sponsor. Like they have more, the more slots. Mm-hmm. with that like just like i don't even think this the independence even finished the race like yeah. victor just took them apart and speed is basically like distraught and trixie finds him huddled in the stands of that rundown track that rex used to take him to mm-hmm. and speed talks about how it doesn't matter what he plans whatever strategies he comes up with the sponsors still manage to like checkmate him and Trixie basically was like, you weren't really listening when I, I was talking about Royalton, were you? Like, I told you not to play their game, Speed. This isn't chess. It's racing. You didn't win the Grand Prix by planning. You won it by racing. 
Like, stop. <laughs> like, we dig into the spiritual aspect of racing yeah. here from the first one a little bit of, like, this isn't what you do. Like, I, I when I told you not to play their game, play your game, I meant you're still playing their game by planning and strategizing. Like, just race. And they can't stop you. Like, if you don't have a plan, they can't counter it. We're at the Grand Prix. Speed uh, is talking to the independents, and he says, basically, to be that. Be independent. This isn't a team race anymore. Yeah. Just one of them has to win. Yeah. It doesn't matter who. Uh, Vic knows their playbook. We do what we've always done. We change the game. We aren't a team. We're yeah. racers. They don't race under a unified color anymore. Like It shows them getting their like very individual flashy cars, like getting into them. And here, I think Nanette has, because you asked, has a very, I don't I want to say purple, because that feels right, but we did and just get done with a film where the villain was like, very purple. Maybe it's like a lilac purple. Like a like a lilac. I like yeah, yeah. I like like a lilac color. I think that, that could work. Like a softer purple. Yeah. So you're you're saying that uh, they're encouraging people, like every single racer within this independent team, to play to their own strengths. Yeah, basically instead of like instead of uh, as a team with team like strategies and a playbook, it's like just go race. Mm-hmm. Race for you. <laughs> race for you. Race for your soul. No, yeah. but like just don't don't play as a team like maybe knock each other around a little bit even just go out and race and basically what can they they can't stop us all we have to do is win like one of us has to finish and that way then it's like victor because like i said victor knows all of their strategies yeah so he can counter every single one of them and the best way that they can throw off the mathematical man is to Mm -hmm. just throw that away and race i think in the scene where he betrays them he Mm -hmm. like wrecks one of their stunts right like they were gonna set up like some cool ass like ten car like flip flip a dip and he like wrecks it and that's what causes them to lose right like yeah I mean I was thinking more of like just because he's there like in the thick of it with them and their team who's like way out front and he just starts smashing them up yeah like left and right I don't know if I mean I, I like the idea that he takes out some racers while they're mid trick yeah I don't know if it's like all the cars are in that formation and he just I think it's more of like like the racing we see in the first movie mm-hmm. where speed takes out all those guys at the grand prix i think it's more like that but they're his teammates yeah i think demonstrating that he that's what victor's plan is and showing mm-hmm. that would be stronger like to, to show that he would that he he knows all of their tricks right that's what you're saying that's oh, why yeah. oh right so, okay okay yeah no, no, that's a good point yeah i mean since, i think since, speed's still gonna say it but yeah. I, I know what you mean like i, I it's that's that's a good point uh, they don't race under a unified color anymore. We get a scene of Speed Racer opening a garage and pulling a sheet off of the Mach 6. So yeah. this is like returning to the yeah. the core. In this final race, all bets are off. The sponsored are playing as dirty pool as the independents. It's a real and proper Speed Racer race. Uh, some tricks that I came up with was getting in front of an enemy car, spinning 180, and then flooring it to like slow them down. Yeah. I think fine. that that's probably more of a team move, but still, I think they may, just, they may do that here. I had an idea that in the headlights, maybe, they shoot out projections of like ghost cars. Not like to scare them, but it's like, which one's the real car? Or whatever, yeah. like make them think there's more cars and shit. The Indies aren't working as a cohesive unit, and it's throwing the playbook of the sponsor, or throwing off the playbook of the sponsor. They're all doing their own gimmicks. Yeah, and just like basically kind of fucking around. The race is mayhem because, I mean, the sponsored are still trying to, like, race as a team and look out for each other, I guess. And the, and the indies are just, like, destroying them. I like the idea that 
like maybe even the announcers are like just commenting on like what is happening within like the race itself but isn't they've lost track of like oh wait who's winning (laughs) right now (laughs) yeah like it's just utter chaos and i think that yeah no one's really sure like who's winning the race yeah they're much more focused on like the tricks and the twists and all this stuff than like oh wait yeah oh and it looks like no i think speed racer's winning oh my god what's that like (laughs) i had a bit in here earlier that i guess i got rid of at one point where trixie and nanette have a moment where basically trixie is like you know i see a lot of speed racer in you i think like you could be one of the greats if you just like if you wait it like wait for your moment and you'll find it like to attack because yeah. like i said nanette goes out looking for the fights in racing mm-hmm. and she's not like i don't know she tries to make opportunities to take out like to knock around other cars mm-hmm. and i'm not saying that that's like a bad thing i think it's but it's and trixie's more of like you know it's racing fights are gonna pop up and like if you wait the moment will, and you wait for like the exact right moment, it'll be there and it'll be perfect and you'll be like a superstar. And I think that this is what happens when she takes Victor out because I want Nanette to just like drop Victor yeah. very hard. And so I think that she, I, I, and I want to maybe work in a, like a flashback to she's like picked up some of the t- technical information. Like, cause he's mm-hmm. been like, you know, oh, this turn, if you take it at this speed, whatever. So she knows how he's going to like take a certain turn and uses that to her advantage to just like, maybe, f- I don't know. I had an idea that one of the cars could have like a little flipper that comes and like they flip the car. So maybe she does that as he makes a turn, she like flips him off the turn. What if um she thinks back, like, like she could do stuff like that mm-hmm. and like be in position where he's supposed to take this turn like good. Or maybe she like puts down an oil slick on like uh, like or, or something as yeah. well. Like she, maybe she does a few things throughout that race. It's like, oh, this is what her or, game is, is fucking his game up. Yeah. Or she just trolls him by like she does like the 180 to like slow him down. So he takes a turn like too slow. Like she just dogs him the whole race to fuck up his yeah. like technical stuff and then eventually just like knocks him out of the race because i want her i want her to like just take him down i like this idea of this tango sort of thing that's going on uh Mm -hmm. between uh, with that where they're like where she's doing the slow down thing like like facing his car Mm -hmm. and like accelerating in one way like you said yeah um and then he tries to get out of it but she like flips and just like starts again Mm -hmm. oh yeah it's definitely just her trolling victor for most of the race and like keeping him from effectively using his strategy yeah. It's very lackluster here at the end. Speed wins the race. The independents mm-hmm. uh win the soul of racing. And I think I had an idea that, like if there's a third one, it would be like the world without the sponsors where I don't it, it's the idea of in in the graphic novel for Alan Morris V for Vendetta, there is the, the and this is the only place I've I'd heard it before, which is the main reason I'm referencing that specifically. But the the two sides of anarchy, one is to destroy and the other is to rebuild Mm -hmm. after that. And I think that the third movie would really be exploring the idea of like, okay, the sponsors are gone, but they were paying for everything and like rebuilding the WRL in this better way, I think. But I I don't have that written down. That's just my concept for a third one based off of this. So that's the end of this. I It's sort of that whole, um, there's that line in Hamilton, Mm -hmm. if you're familiar, Mm -hmm. uh, where uh, Washington says, Winning was easy, young man. Governing's hard. They're being entrenched. So I have two things I want to briefly touch on and, and pick your brain about because I was having some trouble figuring them out and then working them into the pitch. 
The first is the Breaklin brothers, like their comeuppance. Like, what's how do they lose other than the soul of racing? But like, I mean, you have at the end of the movie where the sponsors lose, mm-hmm. but they're not going to just go away. Like it doesn't ruin their business. And yeah. I, I, I think like what the first movie establishes is that this it's ba- the whole racing organization and like how it works. The industry works is that it's systemic and it relies on the sponsors to do everything. Right. Right. So I think that, they almost have to like put up their business as like hmm. collateral for a bet or something. Sure. Like uh, that's the, the only, I'm that's the only maybe, way I can think. Maybe as a side story, Pops makes a bet with them or something. So it, Pops it, it ends up the, winning their business. <laughs> I don't know. Um, what if my thought is, what if they get basically ruined by the other sponsors? Like this is your fault. This was your idea. Yeah. And now we don't control the world racing league anymore. So they just like ruin their business. I bet they're putting a lot of money into this like whole mm-hmm. thing specifically. Yeah. So I bet it's a big financial risk for all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like it's sort of like a labor strike against the sponsors, right? Kind of. Yeah. Um, but the, the the sponsors have their own racers already. Yeah. So I think maybe- I don't know. I like the idea that the the other sponsors basically ruin them for like setting this up. Yeah, and then failing. Yeah, um, I w- I would just like categorize it or like justify it as like the Breakland brothers are ruined by right. the end, but the rest of the sponsors aren't. Oh yeah, because they put up the most money to make this happen and everything. Like, so then my last question is: I wanted to work in the little brother Spritel and their monkey mm-hmm. Chim Chim, who yeah. were the most unnecessary part of the first movie but somehow also the most necessary like i don't know i just i love their goofs and like i thought that it was they were like it didn't really affect the main story but i felt like something would have been missing from the movie if they weren't in it and i couldn't figure out i had an idea that they were just trolling the breakland brothers like sending them like boxes of the monkey poop or whatever or something like they just kept like yeah. fucking with the Breakman brothers a little. I mean, the whole Spritel and um the chimps uh chim 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 chim. Yeah. Their whole role in the first movie is sort of like being the comic relief in a very serious like so pretty serious movie I'd say actually um like as far as like the family dynamic, like mm-hmm. the the drama that's going on within the family unit of the racer family in the first, mm-hmm. they are the comedic thing. And what I think Spreadle represents is um, the or gives to the first movie is that sort of childlike wonder okay. of racing that Speed had when he was young, when he was Spreadle's age. Sort of, so I think. I would almost say that you saying that kind of made me think this, that maybe it's more just like the childlike wonder of that entire world. Like it's a very uh, fantastical world. And because the rest of the movie is just taking it seriously, like this is the world. Chim Chim and Spritel are there to like, be like, no, this place is really fucking fantastic. Yeah. And like, look at like, we just kind of brushed over the fact that this company, like the hallways are full of people on segways. And yeah. stuff. And like now then we have a chase scene with Chim Chim and Spritel, and it's like, oh yeah, everybody's on segways. What the hell? My uh my favorite moment, uh, or one of my favorite moments of just like, why did that happen like that? Um, 
is at the beginning of the movie when Royalton uh pulls the like when the Royalton jet pulls into like their mm-hmm. dock or whatever and uh they are greeted by a bunch of people who came in on this like uh it's kind of a golf cart but it had a lot of seats mm-hmm. um and every seat was filled and they all came just to say hi to Royalton and then they walked off screen <laughs> and then the family got into that uh-huh. cart and then drove away so they all just came here to say hi and then be stranded there while they take the cart away i guess all right but i, I don't know so I, maybe that's just we keep that aspect with yeah. chim chim and spridal of them just kind of goofing around and yeah. reminding us how kind of fantastical and amazing this world is i think you just keep them as comic relief sure and um, i mean i wasn't looking for a deeper character arc i just meant like maybe the nature of that comic relief but i think that this works just kind of a general the yeah, world I can't, is amazing I can't think of wonderful. anything specific for them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, it's really yeah, not. I, I, really yeah, I think know. it's fine. Okay. So did we do it? I think we did it. All right. What's a uh, what was the one guy's name? The like mechanic dude. Or, oh yeah, like, I don't know. Rocket. Um, something like Rocket. No, they said it like a number of times. Sparky. Sparky. Yeah. Um. Did you did you find it weird? at the end of the movie before they do the big grand prix race that him and speed racer have a moment and it's kind of emotional because he is like we're gonna do this together let's let's kill it i suspect Um, that there was an abandoned subplot with that that got either got cut i think it had to be cutting room floor stuff because they wouldn't have just left it in the script if they cut that idea so i suspect there were cut scenes that gave him like a side plot it was it was a pretty emotional scene or it was, it was supposed to be emotional and like these two people oh, bonding yeah. but they never had a scene together one-on-one in the whole rest of the movie like, sparky basically was there to say the wrong thing at the right time yeah and also comic really yeah much and like that was Spiral. pretty much sparky's entire role and then at the very end he's like how you feeling it's big That cockpit is the exact same size it was at Thunderhead. Right. I want to say thank you. For what could be the most exciting moment of my whole life. Couldn't have gotten here without you. I'm looking forward to that cold milk. Me too. What? What did we? Where did this come from? Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, if we did it, that's credits on another episode of the Equalizers. Madison Jones, tell the people where they can find us. People can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, Podbean, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Now, Madison, we're gonna start the just uh part of this, and I want to challenge you. Not to make your first one a reference to the movie we just equalized. Okay. So just uh, head on out to wherever you keep your snow shovels and all that kind of stuff. Dig yourself a nice little podcast. That was stupid. (laughs) Whatever department store you go to to get your speed stick deodorant (laughs) to start your speed J session. (laughs) 
You said it didn't have to be about Speed no, Racer. No, no, that's that's fair, and I think that's a it's great not, one to end it on. It's not directly referencing Speed no, Racer, I guess. it's fine. That's a great one to end it on. So you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Equalizers. Gmail is equalizers at gmail.com. On Instagram, we are the underscore equalizers. Uh, we try to post a little teaser for each week there. Um, this one, we kind of told you it might be this one, but I haven't, I don't know, good luck. Good luck and Godspeed. Uh, we're also on Rotten Tomatoes at King Dwarf, one word, 69. Uh, special thanks on our theme, Rock Thing, go to Creo. You can find their work at www.creo-music.com. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. Go anywhere on the internet. Yeah. And just just start reviewing any random episode. Um, just type a, a, any website into your browser. Go there and write Equalizers, five stars. Everybody tweet at Eddie Murphy right now and tell them about the Meet Dave 2. Tell him that he has to listen to Meet Dave 2. I mean, also and make sure he knows that Shrek does listen to our podcast. Confirmed. Confirmed, Shrek. And yeah, also Stephen Tobolowski liked our Christian Mingle to tweet. He did, which I'm like, equal uh, frequels. Did he listen? Let us know. I, I we find out if Stephen Tobolowski actually listened to our Christian Mingle two episode. Hey Stephen, if you're listening, get in touch. If you have an idea yeah. for a sequel to a movie that you'd like to do, yeah. So next week, we are going to, I believe, have guest Brittany Means on. To do the Moulin Rouge 2. Yes. And before uh, you at me, I know I said the Moulin Rouge, and the title is just Moulin Rouge. Yeah. So, for the Equalizers. I'm Madison Jones. I'm Mike Knoll. Pancakes are love. Mmm. To be continued. <laughs> <laughs>